It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 473 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is September 20th, 2023, and the San Diego Padres, they are the hottest team on the planet. They've won seven games in a row. They beat the Dodgers. They swept the Oakland A's. They swept the Colorado Rockies. And now they're going into an off day on Thursday before having a St. Louis Cardinals team come on in to Petco Park. And maybe the Padres will sweep them too. And things can get interesting. Uh, But we'll see what happens. Um, This season, I still think it's over. And we can go over the different scenarios. Or if the Padres go 9-0, and because they have nine games left, I believe. If they go 9-0, and what needs to happen? We can go through that here in a little bit. Uh, but do you think, do you believe in this Padres team? I know Dion, Dion Sanders, Coach Prime, he loves to, he, he said that after his first win against TCU after one game. Do you believe? I don't. I don't believe in the Dion stuff with Colorado and, or this Padres team this year. Uh, now, this is totally different, not Padres, but the Dion stuff. I believe in Dion, like great coach and like long term, I believe in that. But as for like this year, no. Um, and with the Padres, it's already been a big enough sample size. Like, hasn't this team already showed us like who they are? You know, there's there's talent on this team. We knew that going into this season, but they showed us 
from April all the way through August who they really were. So, you know, they, they've already made the season be over. They've already took themselves out of that postseason contention. And you could say, well, they're not mathematically eliminated then. But I would say, well, go to Fangraphs and look up World Series chance. They are literally eliminated. Fangraphs says 0%. Now, that, that math, that doesn't line up to me. So you have a 0.2% chance of making the postseason. But then you have 0% shot at making the World Series, winning the World Series. If you have a shot at making the postseason, that means you should have some shot of winning the World Series. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But the, the, the bottom line is this Padres team, yeah, they're winning seven games in a row here. They're playing better baseball. But as I said in my post-game reaction, the pressure is off of them. So, of course, they're playing good baseball. You know, pressure is a privilege, and the pressure isn't off of them because of what they did early on in the season. And not just early on, just pretty much the entire season, what they did. That's why they don't have pressure on them right now. And they're probably playing freer and more relaxed because they know that there's nothing for them to lose. They've already lost it. Really, that's what it comes down to. They've already lost it. There's nothing to lose because they've already lost what they could have gained this season. So, just a reminder before we really get going here, you can use my code TALKINGFRIERS, $20 off your SeatGeek order. And then click the link in the description for Breaking Tea and FOCO. Breaking Tea, some great San Diego sports shirts and sweatshirts, Padres, Aztecs, San Diego Wave. And FOCO, some great Padres bobbleheads and collectibles there as well. But yeah, I mean... That's how I want to start. Like, I'll talk about the last two games of this Padres Rocky series. I believe I hit on the first one already in a previous show. Some of these shows are just going, they're, they're just combining right together in my brain. So I don't really know when I addressed what. But Danny Vietti, I've had him on the show before. He just put out a tweet here or an X or whatever they call it nowadays. What the Padres need to do if they go 9-0. Do we think the Padres are going to go 9-0? I would say no. That's ridiculously hard to do. If they go 9-0, that means they, they would have won 16 games in a row to end the season. Like That's just not going to happen. When you have to rely on Matt Waldron and guys like that sometimes in this rotation, Like that's just not going to happen. But if they go 9-0, this is what would have to happen here for the Padres to make the postseason. The Chicago Cubs would have to go 4-7. and seven or worse, the Marlins would have to go five and five or worse, and the Giants would have to go eight and two or worse. So, like the Giants, if they do really well, I mean, it's it's not that big of a deal for the Padres. Like as long as they're like, because the Giants are right next to the Padres, they're in the standings. They're like right there. It's the Cubs and the Marlins that have to do way worse than the Padres. So, is it doable? I mean, I would argue that 9-0 and is not doable for this team. Just watching not just the last seven games, you could say, yeah, that, okay, it's doable. If you've, you're just coming on in here, dropping on in last part of the season because you're expecting them to be in postseason positioning, I'll just tune in at the end here, see how they're doing going into the postseason. Okay, maybe there's a chance then because they're playing good baseball. But if you look at the rest of this season, 9-0, and you're like, no, they're not going to win 16 games in a row. They've already won seven plus nine. Sixteen's not happening. It's just not. So that I already think is undoable. But if they go nine and zero, so the Cubs, 
Do we think the Cubs are going to go four and seven or worse? Pittsburgh, Colorado, those are opponents that they can beat, right? Atlanta, okay. Maybe, you know, let's let's be let's be nice and say that the Cubs get swept by the Braves to help out the Padres there. But are they going to get swept by the Milwaukee Brewers? Are they going to do bad against the Pirates and the Rockies? And then the Marlins playing against the Mets who are out of it. The Pirates for three. They're going to go five and five or worse. Maybe. It's the Cubs one where it's like, they're not going four and seven, right? I don't think. And then again, the Padres have to go nine and oh. And the Giants, yeah, eight and two record or worse. Yeah, that'll happen, I would think. They're facing the Dodgers seven times in the next 10 games. The Giants are. Then they've got three against the Padres. But, I mean, nine and oh. It's just not happening. I don't see that happening. So for anyone, and I'm not saying that there's a bunch of Padres fans that are back in on the on the, the bandwagon. It's not very full if, if there is one. Um, I'm not saying that Padre fans are jumping back on. I think a lot of it that I see on social media, it's just people being sarcastic, like, oh, yeah, there's a chance. But, I mean, if you go talk to someone like Manny Machado, you talk to, like, A.J. Preller, they, they're in that crowd, at, at least publicly, is what they're saying is, no, there's a chance. We totally believe still Manny hasn't gotten the surgery and he's still continuing to play, thinking that this team is capable of winning out. And it's like, you could be the best team on the planet. What are the odds of you winning 16 games in a row? It's just not good. And then you got A.J. Preller, talk to Marty Caswell. Great stuff from Marty, obviously. If you have not checked that out, that interview that she had yesterday with AJ, I believe that's up on her YouTube channel, and I'll play that a little bit later in the show, talking about um, giving my thoughts on what AJ told Marty. Bob Melvin also responded to the Dennis Lynn, Ken Rosenthal stuff, but yeah, getting back to this, if you talk to Manny and AJ, they'll be like, yeah, we got a chance. We're going to do this. Do you believe? As Coach Prime would say, Deion Sanders, do you believe? No, I don't. Nope. No, it's fun watching these games. Seven wins in a row. Like, that's cool. Bogart's the walk-off. Snell, no hitting a team, you know, in the seven innings that he worked. Almost getting a combined no-hitter, which I don't view as really as special, obviously, as just one person doing it. Uh, I think that probably should be in a whole different category, but that's a different conversation for another day. These games are fun, but they're not going to do this for the rest of the year. And even if they do, then they still need other stuff to go right. Like, they're just not making the postseason. Um, but getting to this series, Padres, they went 2 nothing on Tuesday. They obviously won game one. A lot of offense in that game. A few home runs. Campy, Eggy, Garrett Cooper. I believe I went live after that game, so I've already touched on that day. Uh, but Tuesday, they went 2 nothing yesterday. Snell. Uh, reaches his single-season career high in strikeouts, and he reached that early on in the game. It was 222 is what set that. And he ended up getting 10 punch-outs on the night, no hits, seven innings, obviously. He walked four, so that obviously hurt his pitch count. His ERA is now down to 2.33, eight straight quality starts from Blake Snell. You go back to May, I think is like really when the starting point was of this dominant stretch. It is dominant. You go look up at the you go look up the the stats that are posted after every Blake Snell outing. It's just like what? 
I think someone said in like Snell's last 22 outings, or I don't think it was 22 innings. It was 22 outings. He has like 18 runs allowed, like something, something absolutely ridiculous. So yeah, I mean, this guy, he is deserving of the Cy Young. He should win the Cy Young. Kevin AC in his Padres Daily Newsletter earlier today, he put out, um, this was compiled, I think, from MLB.com and Baseball Reference, put out this chart comparing Blake Snell to other top National League starting pitchers. And when I look at this, I see, okay, maybe someone like Spencer Strider has a case, maybe. I mean, because Justin Steele, when you look at the numbers, worse ERA, less innings, less strikeouts, a little bit better whip, but not by much, 0 .06. Batting at, batters are hitting better off of Justin Steele than Blake Snell. Like, he's not close to Snell. Kodai Senga, no, ERA isn't close. Innings aren't there. Strikeouts aren't there. The whip's worse. Average is worse. Like, what I mean by that is average opponents are hitting better off of Kodai Senga than Blake Snell. Opponents are hitting 181 off of Blake Snell. His whip is 120, 227 strikeouts on the year, 174 innings, 233 ERA, 31 games started. You go to Logan Webb, the ERA is like a full run worse, so you can just throw him out. You go to Merrill Kelly, same thing. Corbin Burns, even worse. Snell's ERA, 233. Corbin Burns is at 356. And I'm not saying ERA is everything, but then. He doesn't have the strikeouts. He doesn't have the innings as Snell does. The whip is better. But obviously the whip's going to be a better when you compare a lot of these guys to Blake because Blake walks guys. You go to Zach Gallen, and the starts are there, but the ERA is definitely not there, 360. The strikeouts aren't there. Over 200, but that's not close really to Blake Snell at 227. The whip's comparable to Snell but the average is not, the opponent's average. But you go to Spencer Strider, who is at the bottom here, and I think that's Blake Snell's closest competition, actually, considering that he's on a really good team in the Atlanta Braves. He has almost the same amount of starts, 30 starts, Snell has 31. His ERA, yeah, over a full run worse. But the innings are right there, 176 for Strider, 174 for Snell, 270 punch-outs for Strider, 227 for Snell. So he... He's obviously leading everyone in strikeouts. Strider is. I mean, it's ridiculous. His his K per nine is like 13 point something. It's absolutely nuts. The whip is better than Blake Snow, but again, walks. And then opponents are hitting 205 off of him. 181 opponents are hitting off of Snow. So I look at Strider there. It's like, that's probably who I would go as like second place. But ERA, I mean, it definitely means something. And when you have that low of an ERA compared to all of those other guys and your whip is not as good as those guys, that tells me how, like, that helps your case, I think, of winning the NL Cy Young if you're Blake Snell because that shows that, okay, I can get out of jams. I can dominate still with allowing base runners. Those base runners don't phase me. Sure, I'll walk you. He was talking about it on the broadcast today with Don and Mudd about how the stolen bases aren't that big of a deal for him. Eh, whatever. Like the, the dude just gets out of it. He's confident right now in his stuff, in his ability. And sometimes he admits, like, sometimes walks are good things because, yeah, it's another base runner. But 
you didn't leave a pitch down the middle of the plate to a power hitter that could have hit, hit that ball over the fence, right? Like little things like that didn't hit that ball in the gap. He's only on first base. Now I can get a double play. I can get out of an inning. I, I'm confident that I can strand that guy. That's Blake Snell's mentality. So yeah, Blake right now, he is the front runner for the Cy Young. And he's still going to keep pitching this year. I think he has at least a, one more start. I think he has a couple more starts left this season. But he's already won the award for me. Unless he gives up like six runs in his next two outings. You know, six runs his next outing, six runs the next. And I think he's going to be facing the Giants and probably the White Sox that last weekend of the season. Um, those, those, those should go pretty well for Blake, I would assume. But the outings, his, his recent outings, I mean, he went to Houston, gives up like two runs. Quality start, I believe. Instead of passing on the Dodgers and just going and facing the A's, which he could have probably had a no-hitter, you know, like he did here against the Rockies, maybe Brent Rooker would have got him because Rooker's our former Padre, you know. That's just how it goes. But instead of skipping the Dodgers, he goes into Dodger Stadium and gives up, I think, one hit in that outing, dominates them. So he stood up to the competition. Like, no, I'm not afraid of this. Not afraid of base runners. Not afraid of facing the Astros, facing the Dodgers on the road. And he pitches well against them. And then he comes back home. What's his last home start as a Padre, at least this season? And I think it's probably going to be his last start as a Padre at home. He comes into here, and I get it's the Rockies, but then doesn't give up any hits. And if we want to go to the performance last night, like the no-hitter that he had going, and why was Blake Snell not pushing to go out again for the eighth, and why did Bomell take him out? I saw some of that. And it's like, realize the situation. The guy threw 104 pitches yesterday. That's what he was at after seven innings of work. 104 pitches. The Padres had scored zero runs for him. It was no guarantee that even if he got through nine innings, that it would have been actually a no-hitter because the game could have continued. Right? So he was at 104 pitches. He was probably going to walk someone else in that outing, so that would have increased the pitch count. And then... What's his pitch count going to be if he gets through the 8th and the ninth? let's say? 130, 140 pitches? I mean, that's probably what we were looking at there, right? And there's no way Blake was going to do that when he knows that he has a huge payday coming up. He's trying to go win the Cy Young. He doesn't want to get hurt and increase the injury risk. He's talked to people like Joe Musgrove, Sean Manaya, people that have dealt with this and gone the distance before and talk with them about how they feel going forward. He probably doesn't want to have to deal with that. This Padres season, he knows. I think he mentioned it after the game, like, yeah, this, this game's probably going to get forgotten about. It's not for Padre fans for you know this season. We're going to remember it, but it's probably going to forget get forgotten about after tomorrow's game is played, which he said that last night, so obviously he means after today's game was played. Like, whatever. He didn't view it as a big deal that he came out after seven innings. and. I saw Jim Russell on the wrap-up show last night like wishing that Blake would have had the mentality of, no, F you, I want to go back out there and try to finish this. I mean, Jim, anyone that had that thought, 
the dude was at 104 pitches. That's a lot of pitches for any guy in baseball. You know, it's not 1950 anymore. And whether you like it or not, Blake's looking out for himself because these games don't mean anything for this Padres team. Or at least they shouldn't mean anything in terms of like evaluation moving forward. We already know who this Padres team was this season. Like he was done. He already had a great night. He already locked down the Cy Young, in my opinion, last night. And again, unless he like blows it up in his next two outings. But he had already locked it down. He already did his job. Seven innings, 10 punchies, 2-3-3 ERA. Walk off the mound. You didn't give up any hits. And that's it. You're good. You're done. I was totally fine with that. It's not like he would, if he was at 80 pitches through seven innings, yeah, I would have probably had a problem with him just saying, no, I'm done. I'll, I'm just going to sit this one out. That's different. But he was at 104 pitches. I think it's totally reasonable, considering his future and all that, for him to just sit down and hand it off to Robert Suarez and Josh Hader. And Suarez gets through the eighth. Hader gives up the hit, obviously, to, I want to say, Brennan Rogers there in the ninth. And they couldn't get it. But it was a cool moment for Xander Bogarts getting the walk-off. I know it barely got out. We didn't, at least when I was watching it live, I couldn't really tell like if it got out. Was it foul? Was it fair? Couldn't really, because I just didn't really see the ball go out. Um, but, you know, Xander, as I said, I think on my post-game reaction last night, he didn't really have this signature 2023 Padres moment, like positive, right? Did he? Maybe the Shohei Otani game where he went back-to-back with Crony off of Otani, I think July 4th. That was one of the games of the year for me when there haven't been that very many great moments for the Padres this season. You look at the Dodgers game, right? You know, yesterday, Snell and Bogarts, like I throw that up there. But yeah, Bogarts, he got his signature moment, uh, which is cool. G-Man Choi got his signature moment today. huh? No hits still, no hits, but he got the go-ahead sack fly. So I'm sure he's super pumped up about that. He can at least or A.J. Preller at least can say, hey, he helped us win a ball game. Because can't really say that about G-Man Choi entering today. So another great trade by Mr. A.J. Preller. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tuesday it was great. And then today, Lugo, I'll get to you, John, here. I see you. Um, Lugo goes six innings. Another quality start from him. Seven punch outs. 16 quality starts for Lugo in 2023. Campy. More progression from him, more positives that I'm seeing from Campy. The dude's hitting 312 now, 839 OPS. He had an RBI to tie the game, pinch hit, I believe, for Brett Sullivan. But yeah, I guess Bob Melvin doesn't know how to manage, according to some people. Uh, Josh Hader pitched three days in a row. Wish he would have done that more consistently early on in the season. Why is he doing that now? Um, Part of that is on the coaching staff and probably the front office, but some of that I still believe is on Hader as well, like setting limits for himself earlier on in the season when the Padres needed to win games and needed him to be pitching more consistently, in my opinion, if they wanted to actually be in this thing right now instead of needing to go undefeated and then a bunch of other things having to happen for this team to make the postseason. The Blake Snell, Don and Mud interview was tremendous. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss that. It's weird. I was sitting there during this interview, and I was like, am I going to miss Blake Snell pitching, or am I going to miss the Don and Mud interviews, the conversations that Snell has with them? That's probably what I'm going to miss more 
This season, sure. I, like, if we could get this Blake Snell every season, yeah, I'd miss him pitching. But that just hasn't been the case, you know, in his entire Padres tenure. Um, so my answer to that would probably be, just looking at the entire tenure, I'm just going to miss the the Don and Mud Snell interactions, the conversations. I mean, today, you had Don Orsillo talking about how he shares the same agent as Tom Brady and had them talking about their favorite NFL teams. Again, I'm not a huge NFL guy anymore. Haven't been for years, obviously, since we all know what happened. Um, but that was funny. You know, these these Snell has a personality, and it's great. And it seems like he's one. Of, he's, he's a fan favorite, and he's definitely talented. He has the stuff, but it's just about the consistency and the fact that the Padres already spent money on you, Darvish, before this season and gave him a bunch of money. And Blake Snell could sit there and say, well, you decided to pay Darvish, and now guess what? That's You're going to lose me now because you decided to pay Darvish and give him six years. Which I understood at that point. And at that point, we got to remember that we didn't know Blake Snell was going to have like this Cy Young season. So we were probably, I think a lot of people were like, yeah, okay, Darvish extended him. Maybe a little bit too long, but it's important, you know, with the uncertainty of this rotation. He's a vet. It's good to have you, Darvish, here for the foreseeable future. But now, obviously, in hindsight, it's like, oh, 100 mil for six years of you, Darvish? What is he going to be, like 42 or something when the contract's up? Obviously, there's the injury question marks because he was shut down. Bone spur in his elbow, right? And you got Blake Snell, who seems like he really loves being here, but we know that he's going for the money. We know with Boris as his agent, they're going to go probably to the highest bidder. I would Because I think the highest bidder is not going to be the Kansas City Royals or the Oakland A's. It's going to be a team that has a chance to win. So I don't see Snell coming back. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to miss the Don and Mud interviews. I'd probably say I, I'm going to miss those and call me an idiot, whatever. I might miss those more than Blake Snell actually pitching just because he can be really frustrating at times watching pitch. That's for sure. Uh, John, he is here. What are you going to miss more, John? Are you going to miss Blake Snell pitching, or are you actually going to miss stuff off the field and his personality? Oh, the personality. Oh, for sure. Are you kidding me? I mean, the fir first half Blake Snell, I mean, I wish I could wipe that from my memory, honestly. It's 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 not a fun time. Um, and I feel like I was actually – you kind of took my question because I, uh, I meant to ask, like, what – if you had to put it in a percentage – how likely is Blake Snell going to be brought back? How do you, if you, if you had to put a number, I guess. Yeah. If any, if it was any other ownership group and any other president of baseball ops, I would say like 5%. But because it's the Padres and they might find a way somehow to pay Snell, I'd put it at like 15, 15, 20. Maybe that's too high. Uh, but it just feels like he believes in the talent on the team. He loves being here. Um, maybe Don and Mud can give him some money. I don't know. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't see it happening. I, I think I'm being generous when I say like 15, 20%. I, yeah, I, I, it's probably should be lower than that. What about you? Yeah, I mean, 20% is generous in my yeah. opinion. I, I would have to say, yeah, a good 5%. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't see him 
taking a pay cut because uh because he likes living you know he likes being here you know i mean it's he'll, he'll like somewhere else if he gets 200 million dollars like yeah yeah i mean, yeah i would be i'd be like where am i going yeah cincinnati i don't care absolutely yeah yeah they're paying cool i mean that's i mean that i was actually funny enough uh my roommate and i were talking about chris bryant and he was that's you know such a wacky contract still wacky I contract petco, i was sitting at petco the other night and i'm like Oh yeah, Chris Bryant's a Rocky. That that contract never made sense from the beginning. One hundred eighty-six million dollars. I mean, anybody would have taken that. I mean, you could you could pay me that money. Take me anywhere. I don't even care. We can go to. It doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, Blake Snell. It's it's something to be said. He if he gets a Cy Young, I mean, he's gonna easily get his bag or whatever. But interesting thought. I I, I kind of. Put it in my it was kind of put in my brain about Blake Snell is that his high walk rate would kind of be an issue in terms of the Cy Young standings, you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of you know, you could nitpick certain stats over one another and stuff like that. But you know, there's a case to be made against Blake Snell in terms of his walk rate. And I mean, yeah, he's gotten a tough jams as a pretty low ERA, but you know, if talking about this razor thin race, there's something there's a case to be made, honestly. Yeah, there is. Uh, Spencer Strider, I think, would be the sec. Who would you put in second place right now? If we had Snell in first, do you think Snell should win it, or do you have someone else? I mean, I wouldn't be wearing this Padre hat and this fancy jersey if I wasn't rooting for Blake Snell. I mean, come on. I mean, he's he's the man. I mean, I I mean, of course, it's in a year where the Padres suck, and of course, it's a year where he's his contract is up. I mean, of course, you know that's beauty of baseball, but it's just. You know, I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, I, I mean, Steele maybe from the Cubs, maybe he, he could make he could make the solid case. But I mean, in my personal opinion, I think there's nobody who's been as consistent as Blake Snell the entire year, and there definitely is a strong, strong case to be made about him. Um, and he's going to get his bag, I think. Regardless, honestly, I think a lot of teams during this offseason are going to be searching for starting pitching, especially aces such as Blake Snell. Um, that don't have that don't have the the health question mark and will be able to pitch in 2024 unlike Shohei. Yeah, and, and on top of that, I mean, he's been healthy all season long. hasn't really gone on the injury list in a while. So, you know, there's definitely a case to be made that you know he could get easily, uh, you know, much like a Yu Darvish or Joe Musgrove deal where you know several hundred million dollars and you know, hey, congratulations, you are a Anaheim Angel. Here's you know, <laughs> here's a hundred million dollars, you know, two hundred million dollars, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. But I mean, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's a business for these guys. You know, you know, Don and Mud could definitely talk all this high praise and get all the free stuff from him or whatever. But yeah, I think he's going to move on for sure. Where the money's at, you know. Yeah, we'll I think so because I think I don't think it's worth it for some non-contender to go pay Blake Snell. So I see him having contenders being interested. So mm -hmm. I think that will allow him to be like, okay, well, I can, you know, I like San Diego, I like the Padres, I like Don and Mud, but. You know, I like this money too, and this team is pretty stacked, and it's a it's a contending team, and yeah, he's been in the clubhouse, so he probably knows what's going on there. That we're just reading from reports and all that. Uh, so I, I think a big question, maybe the Padres, like, what is their, what are they comfortable in giving Blake? Because if you give Darvish, who is older than Blake. You give him six years, and I get it. It was to lower the AAV and all that. But you give him that much, 
then that should allow Blake to go ask for at least six years. That should allow Blake to ask for, uh, I don't know, $30 million at least a year from that based on, you know, compared to you, Darvish. I'm coming off a Cy Young award. You were able to pay this guy. So you're not going to shortchange me here. Um, I have offers from other teams that are actually postseason teams this past season. Unlike you, uh, I did my part. Now I should get rewarded. You got all these other guys getting rewarded. Where's my money? So I don't know if he's going to back off. I just don't really see that with Boris, especially because like this is people got to understand if anyone does have like the viewpoint of, well, maybe he can take a discount. He likes it here and obviously bring up those points, but this is his one crack at free agency. You're coming off the Cy Young. You're not going to ask for a two-year deal for $40 million a year just to get the high AAV. You're going to ask for the long-term deal. You're going to ask for Carlos Rodon better. That's the minimum is what you're probably going to be asking for. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't expect Boris to allow Snell. I know Boris doesn't – he's not the boss, but I don't think he's going to allow at the beginning of the offseason for Snell to just settle because he likes – the Padres or likes the situation or whatever. Yeah. I mean, and also, I mean, I think it's going to be, you know, you Darvish took a little bit of pay cut just to bring Manny Machado back. You know, he definitely made that sacrifice, but also, you know, I mean, I, I honestly could see him also being like a Manny Machado in the, on the off season. Like, listen, if you want to bring me back, I gotta be the highest paid pitcher here. You know, I mean, it's great that you're giving out all these contracts and stuff like that, but, I got it. I mean, I just coming out for Cy Young win. And if anything, even if he doesn't win the Cy Young, he's going to get paid. I mean, yeah. the, 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 I don't the know how much, alone. how much does the Cy Young even mean to front offices? Cause they, it, the numbers stay the same. Like that's just a personal opinion from the writers. I mean, I don't think front offices are like, Oh, he won the Cy Young. So I'm going to add $20 million to this. Uh, I don't think that, I don't even know if Boris and Snell do that. Like I just won the Cy Young. So I'm going to increase, the front offices have the numbers. If, you know, if he doesn't win it, Boris and them will still have the numbers to present to teams. Like, that's just how it is. They'll still have the comparisons to Carlos Rodon, the money he just got, and the money that Taiwan Walker got and all that stuff. So I don't know how much the Cy Young changes things. I just think that's a that's just something that Blake Snell can be like, hey, I've won a Cy Young in both leagues. No, Not many people have ever done that. Yeah, and I mean that's definitely a compelling case. I think I think a lot of these agents they have to pull like you know because not only it's not only the big Blake Snells and Juan Sotos that they're kind of dealing with or whatever you know they're dealing with guys who you know, probably don't have that great of an ERA or, or have that great of a batting average or whatever. So they're kind of like grasping straws, you know what I mean? So you know that kind of cement you know like for, for example Trent Grisham, right? Trent Grisham is a Gold Glover and a recent Gold Glover at that, right? However, his batting average is terrible. Right. So, but there's a, there's a case to be made for if Trent, you know, if Trent Grisham goes and stuff like that, that, Hey, you know, this guy's a gold glover, blah, blah, blah. Same with Blake Snell. Hey, this guy, you know, still good. One, one is Cy Young. And not only that, his second half numbers are pretty, pretty good. Especially if you're a postseason team, you want to get a kind of, you know, need a clutch gene. He's the guy kind of that thing. So I don't think there's necessarily a number to put on, you know, a you know pay bump in terms of oh Cy Young plus twenty million you know but I think there's definitely a case to be made to paying big big pretty big fat contract and stuff like that you know the ultimate test the ultimate question is we'll wait and see and hopefully the Padres I don't know I I, I hope they don't sign them but 
don't know. I like. Snell. I think that's where a lot of the fan base is. Like, you want Blake Snell back, but off of this performance, but you don't want them to sign him to what we think he's going to get. So it's, it's yeah. kind of a, a weird spot. Yeah. How how would you? I, I hate how would I actually? I meant to ask. Uh, how would you feel though if they signed, say, Josh Hader, right? And they didn't sign Snell. How would you feel about that? That's the real question. Because I think I Hader is pretty I expendable. I wouldn't be happy with that. Oh, yeah. If, if you're going to sign someone, sure, Hader's the cheaper option because he's a reliever. But if you're going to bring someone, Snell or Hader, back, you're bringing Snell back. Because Preller has a track record of bringing in good relievers at not much money at all and just no. cycling through guys. It doesn't matter. Kirby Yates, Brad Hand, whatever. Fernando Rodney, keep going. Like, he has the history of doing that. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal for that one short little season there, I think. Like yeah. He has the history of that. Um, so, yeah, Hater, it's like, okay, so he's pitching every three days or, you know, once a week. He's pitching back-to-back-to-back days a few times a year, and it's happening when you're out of it. He's so expendable. He's really good when he's on the mound, but I'd like him more if he was, like, pitching more um, and they were using him more. Um, and I think he put some of the limits on himself earlier on in the season, and that may have cost the Padres some games. But then, you know, Bomel he made the argument as well earlier on in the year that if Hayter pitches the seventh or the eighth in some situation, like some fans wanted, you still got someone that has to close out the game. But then it's like, well, let's get to that point. You know, let, let's worry about that at, at that point. And even not, like there were still some situations where it's like, okay, it's uh, – a four-run game, why are you messing around and putting someone else in when you could put Hater in there? Uh, but yeah, Hater over Snell, no, it's, 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 I'd want Snell, sure, that would cost probably a hundred million dollars more, but I want a guy that you're going to pitch every five days and has that bigger role than a reliever who just isn't pitching consistently. And, and yeah. the, the, Preller doesn't have as good of a track record, I don't think, with starting pitchers as he does with bringing in new relievers. Yeah, I mean, and and honestly, this bullpen's gonna get gutted this off season. I, I think a lot of people like Garcia, he's gonna be gone. I think a lot of a lot of pitchers are, uh, you know, Lugos or not? Excuse me, not Lugo, but I, I think a lot of a lot of relievers are gonna go, and uh, a lot of reevaluation of this bullpen's gonna happen. I mean, we got Robert Suarez, which is great, which I think he would be easily fit into a, a closer role, or maybe like a closer by committee, like Cosgrove, Kerr, Barlow. You know. Barlow's another one that's still here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see us signing Barlow, but I mean, I also could see him kind of walking, you know, just to well, he's, get something. That's that's not till after next season. They still got oh. him one more year. Yep. Oh, excuse me. I got to brush up before I step on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's interesting thought. I mean, I mean, who knows? This freaking team decides to get seven game winning streak. Who knows? I mean, playoffs might be around the corner. <laughs> oh yeah, they they'd have to go sixteen and zero, and then you know. <laughs> Uh, the Cubs would have to fall on their face and the Marlins would have to play 500, even though they're facing the Mets and the Pirates. And yeah, I, I just don't, it's not happening, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting in the off season about this whole Blake Snell thing. And I don't see it being resolved super quickly. Maybe Blake wants it to be resolved quickly, but with some of these starting pitchers, if you're like the top guy, Boris loves to drag these things out. So we could be talking about this for months and months and months in this off season. And, those other guys get done first for teams that know they're not going to be in the Snell stuff. Um, and, and then, you know, Snell ends up signing before spring training or 
something. Because, uh, you know, Rodon, I forget when Rodon signed, but I think that took a little bit. Boris likes to take a little bit with his guys. And sometimes it's position players, and that's totally different. I get that. That's way more money and all that. But he's not afraid to let things drag out. Yeah, and question is, is like which team would desperately need Blake Snell? That's that's the thing, you know? I, I mean, I could point to, I mean, obviously every team needs starting pitching, right? But I imagine Blake Snell wants to be on a contending team. Um, first thought is the, the Dodgers, first off. I mean, they've been pulling from their farm system for all year long, and it's worked out for them great. But in terms of a long-term, you know, long-term deal, I mean, what what other teams I think would really benefit from Blake Snell being there. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate question. And how many, how much, I mean, I could see the giants personally, actually, they have, mm. they have a large sum of cash that is burning a hole in their pocket. And I, I, you know, I, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I think it might be an interesting off season for them as, as well as uh, the Padres. So. We'll yeah, for sure. Yep. We'll definitely see. All right, John. Thanks so much, Have man. Appreciate it. All right. There's John. Um, yeah. This Blake Snell thing, like, I've enjoyed watching him pitch this season. I'll say that, obviously. I've enjoyed watching him pitch, but it's not someone that I want the Padres to go spend probably $200 million on. I don't know if it'll get to that point, but more than Carlos Rodon got from the Yankees, which was, I think, six years. 162 million. I don't want the Padres going and spending that, going and spending way more than that, which would it be? That's probably what Boris is going to ask of, you know, his clients now. I don't want the Padres going and spending that much money for a guy that's been inconsistent with the Padres. Like, yeah, this season he's been really good, but what's going to happen next year? Is he going to have this season again? As I've said in the past, the Padres have gotten caught paying for people at their peak. And they're going to go down from there. There's no going up from where they are at. Is there any going up from this season for Blake? Is Blake going to be able to do this again next season, the year after that, the year after that? If so, then okay, you can give him the money. But I just don't see that happening with Blake Snell. And these big contracts, especially for like the starting pitching, go look at these big contracts that have been handed out recently. Have they worked that well? Go look at Carlos Rodon with the Yankees. How's that working out for the Yanks? Right? So it's something to think about. I know the Padres front office is going to do a lot of thinking. There was news that came down today. Tim Hill's surgery out uh, six to eight weeks. Then he'll resume throwing. Should be ready for spring training on that left ring finger. He has one more year of, one more year of control. Lefty in the pen, the arm angle, all that. I see the Padres continuing to roll with Tim Hill for 2024. Uh, Drew Pomerantz, that was something that came down. Drew Prom, Prom, Drew Prom, Drew Pomerantz, uh, he is shut down. He's not pitching for the Padres again, according to Jeff Sanders. He had rehabbed with AAA El Paso, but the elbow started bothering him again, which obviously it's unfortunate. I mean, AJ gave this guy a four-year contract, over $30 million, and he pitched for two years. 2020 was a short season, and then he pitched for 2021, and he didn't pitch again with the Padres at the big league level in a San Diego Padres uniform. Obviously, he wanted to pitch. There were the quotes that came out, I think, in spring training 
about Drew Pomerantz and his desire to pitch, and it hurts him for not being able to be out there for his team and help the team, right? Like, it sucks for him. But, I mean, the bottom line is this is one of the worst contracts that AJ has handed out. I mean, you look at Hosmer, you look at Pomerantz. Those are the two that immediately come to mind. We'll see what happens with Bogarts and Cronenworth and the second Manny extension, even though that was really Seidler that handed that out. Um, I'm talking about, like, Preller decisions. It feels like it's been reported, the Manny thing, that was really Seidler, it felt like, and the Padres front office, they were more willing to let this play out here. We'll see what happens with Xander. Uh, but yeah, Pomerantz, it was bad. He had a 1.62 ERA with the Padres in 2020 and 2021 when he was healthy. So as for like the performance on the field, this was a great contract that A.J. Preller gave to Drew Pomerantz because when he was on the field, he was dominant. He was really good. Go look at the numbers. But he just didn't stay healthy. This season alone, March 30th, placed on the 15-day IL, left elbow strain. May 15th, then he was transferred to the 60-day IL, left elbow strain, the same thing. In 2022, he was recovering from a left forearm surgery. So just could not be healthy. Forearm, elbow, whatever it was, he just wasn't on the field. And sometimes the best ability is availability. And relievers that can be available and they don't get hurt, man, that can really help. Because that manager can rely on those guys and be like, yeah, that's guy, that guy's going to be healthy. We can put him in any situation. He'll be there. And with Drew Pomerantz, unfortunately, just that could not happen. It did not happen. He wanted to be out there. I mean, if you go see those quotes again, like he wanted to be out there. And it absolutely sucks. I mean, he was rehabbing all season long. I think he was with Lake Elsinore. I think he dealt with a little bit of a, a neck issue, I want to say. At some point this season, he was with El Paso, continuing to work at it. And sometimes your body just doesn't allow you to do it. And the body just didn't allow him to do it, which sucks because it's not like he sucked when he was on the mound. And it was like horrible contract by A.J. Preller. What the heck was he doing giving this contract to Drew Pomerantz, knowing that he was going to you know, suck or he was a bad pitcher? No, no, no. When he was on the field, good pitcher. He just wasn't on the field enough. And 2022, it would have been nice to have Drew Pomerantz in that bullpen. Wouldn't it? No doubt it would have been nice. It would have been nice to have him in the back end of this bullpen this year when Robert Suarez was hurt. And you had some rookies like Tom Cosgrove having to come in. And last year, right, Stephen Wilson, the role that he took on. I know Wilson's not a lefty, but you get my point. So just, yeah, really unfortunate is this one of the worst contracts that AJ has given out? I mean, based on results and the fact that he didn't pitch in the last two seasons of the contract and he was making a lot of money for a reliever, you know, a four-year deal over $30 million. Yeah, it's one of the worst contracts that AJ has given. And it's not for, again, it's not for, for, for performance. It's just the lack of being available to the big league team. So that was news that came out. Pomerantz, his uh, contract is done. So he will be a free agent at the end of the season. We'll see if he comes back on some like minor league deal, if that's all he would get from someone. Or maybe another team will give him a big league deal and think that he'll be healthy. I put out on social media the other day when this news came out, watch this guy go dominate with the Dodgers next year because that's just what 
probably would happen. That's just Padre fans' luck. You know, whether this isn't on the pitching side, but, you know, you look at Trace Thompson and the role that he had with the Dodgers last year. You go all down the line, it's like, oh, okay. Yasmani Grandal, oh, played well with the Dodgers when they traded him to the Dodgers, right? Matt Beatty was good with the Dodgers. They signed him, does nothing. Little things like that. If the Padres would have had Jason Hayward here or would have had someone like David Peralta, they would not be having as good of a season as they are having with the Dodgers. Like, that's just what happens when people come to the Padres. And that continued there with Drew Pomerantz. So it sucks. Sucks to see. Because he gets dragged on social media all the time, obviously. You know, and people thinking about how he's just stealing money from the Padres. Like, he really wanted to be out there. That's the sense that I got. And it just, the body just did not allow him to do that. So, really unfortunate. All right. I'm going to get to a break. And then I'm going to get to the Bob Melvin, AJ Preller stuff. Because both replied to Dennis Lynn and Ken Rosenthal's article. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or, if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, I'm obviously going to get to the chat. If you want to join the show, you can click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat. If you want to make sure I get to your comment or your question, you can use that super chat button. Supports the channel, so I definitely appreciate anyone that does that. And it makes it very easy for me to see your comment or your question. Let's get to Bob Melvin and AJ Preller. They responded to Dennis Lynn and Ken Rosenthal's big piece that was put out this week about A.J. Preller, Bob Melvin, the disconnect, major disconnect, worst-kept secret in baseball, one of the worst-kept secrets, that they don't get along, they don't see eye-to-eye, and Bob Melvin responded. I'm going to get to Bob Melvin first, and then I will get to A.J. Preller. Bob was asked about 
has he been told like he's not returning in 2024? He gave that response. So here is this via 97 3 the fan. I'm doing my job like I, I always have until someone tells me different, and I have not been told different. There was another in depth report today in the athletic about just the cohesion the organization. Can you speak to the relationship that you have with AJ Collins? Yeah, look, I mean, I think he said it well in the fact that. You know, we get along fine, but we're going to have our differences of opinion. And I think a lot of times that's healthy in trying to get to the right spot. And when you're not performing well, sometimes you're going to have some differences in opinion. Are there philosophical things within this organization or differences of opinions of holding the players back since they're the ones? Yeah. Is there something that is not jiving in the organization that is affecting the play on the field? So. Do you haven't seen any of this dysfunction or lack of leadership or anything like that? No, I mean, you know, in, in last year, guys were being celebrated for being leaders. They're they're doing the same things this year. We're just not performing well. Everybody has to look for a reason to why we're not performing well. That's jobs of writers. So I respect that. All right. So there's Bob Melvin. So I thought his response to the article was like, yeah, so AJ and I, you know, we get along fine. But really, do you get along fine? I want you to get along great. I mean, you can, isn't it possible in life, like you get along great with someone, but you disagree with some of the opinions that they have. You disagree with how, like, let's say you're with a a coworker. You love that person. You get along great with that person. But there's some things that you disagree on about how things should be run in the company, how you can get things done more efficiently, stuff like that, right? How can you be better, more productive, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of what I want here with the, the GM, president of baseball ops, manager relationship. Not, we get along fine. That kind of like confirms, yeah, I mean, th- these in-depth pieces that are coming out. Ken Rosenthal and Dennis Lynn, it's not like they spent two hours working on this and put it out. No, this probably took weeks of work about the relationship, talking to a bunch of different people inside the clubhouse, those that have worked with AJ in the past, those that are around it now. And it's coming out like this. And Ken Rosenthal, he's one of the, I know he messed up like the, the Scherzer thing with the Padres and said it was close and all that stuff. And so people probably think of Ken Rosenthal, like that's what they think of, the first thing they think about Ken Rosenthal. But he still is one of the main people that people go to in baseball for information. So he's not just going to write something like this, like that's that paints Preller, the Padres, as bad as it does here, just to do it, just for clicks or whatever people want to say, right? No, like there's something to this. There is definitely something to this. It was written in 2021 about Preller and the Padres. It's written now. There's just a different cast of characters here, right? There's some other details that we didn't really know about, but yeah, there's, it's, it's pretty much the same stuff that was in 2021's article in this year's article. So, yeah, doesn't seem like it's the best relationship between Bo Mel and Preller. Bob Melvin hasn't been told he's not returning in 2024, and I think that that's not going to happen until the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, the Padres, they're not mathematically eliminated yet. So why would Preller go tell Bob Melvin, yeah, we'll have you finish out the season, but you're not going to return? If I was told that, why would I want to even continue managing the team? 
if I was told you're not returning. Like, so you already don't believe in me. You're already saying F you at the end of the season, essentially. So why would I continue doing this? So that's not going to happen until the season's over, I would think. And I don't expect Bob Melvin to stay at this moment. I don't know if it's going to be Bob Melvin. It, at least publicly, it's it's not going to be Bob Melvin saying, I'm stepping away and I'm not doing this. But it could be, it could happen. You could see the Padres release. The two sides have decided to part ways. And it was really Bob Melvin doing it. And it just won't come out that it was really Bob Melvin doing it. At least from the Padres' point of view. Like, they won't say that. Or maybe it'll be A.J. Preller saying, no, we're going to go in a different direction. And Peter Seidler still listens to A.J. Preller, allows him to hire another manager. And that's just how it goes. But Bob Melvin here, he's doing it as best as he can. Like, professionally, he's being professional with the answers. Like, we get along fine. When things aren't going great, yeah, there's going to be different, differing points of view. Like, that's just how it's going to be. And he's kind of agreeing with AJ. Like, yeah, it's sometimes it's a good thing to have the the differing of opinions, the, the different thoughts. But, I mean, I want to get inside Bob Melvin's head. Like, if, if he had a lie detector on, ask these questions and, like unfiltered after he's gone from the Padres, let's say it's like in a decade. I want that documentary on this year's team and what Bob Melvin was really thinking and how he really feels about A.J. Preller. Because like, does does Matt Williams, does he know, the third base coach, does he know truly how Bob Melvin feels about A.J. Preller? I don't know. Maybe he doesn't, but I think he has a little bit better of a clue than we do, you know, just reading reports here. I would be fascinated to see like a ESPN doc or MLB Network documentary, any documentary on this 2023 Padres team and like getting them to sit down and actually give their real thoughts, like the last dance style, real thoughts. I don't care if you don't hate, if you don't like that person, you hate that person, you give your thoughts. And we know that would be fascinating. So yeah, that was Bob Melvin. And talking about how, yeah, it's healthy and trying to get to the right spot, you know, disagreeing sometimes. But it feels like it's not just uh, disagree here and there. It feels like it's disagreeing on a lot of things, just like philosophical differences and how A.J. Preller operates. Bob Melvin seems like he disagrees with that. And when that happens and, you know, it feels like there's disagreement all the time, that's where it can become probably an issue. And there was that one player in the article from Dennis Lynn and Ken Rosenthal that compared it to like a toxic relationship between parents where the parents tell one kid something, uh, the other one tells the kid something else. It's just like, who do I talk to? There's just not this great connection there. And uh, so, yeah, we'll see what happens with Bob Melvin's future. AJ Preller, Props to Marty Caswell here. Big props to Marty Caswell. This was not in a scrum like Bob Melvin usually does talking to the media in the dugout. No, Marty Caswell, San Diego Sports 760. She got A.J. Preller to talk. This was not on video. I was listening to Darren Smith, and on the show, Marty said, he said it was a bad hair day. That was A.J.'s excuse for not being on video here, else I would show it. But no, this is A.J. audio. You can find it on YouTube. And on YouTube, it's just pictures of AJ and Pod, the Padres and different things that Marty has been able to capture this season with this Padres team. But AJ talked to Marty Caswell. Marty Caswell asked some pretty good questions. But AJ, like someone, can someone count here 
how many times AJ says, you know, 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 it's a lot. It's a lot. I don't want you to drink. Please don't drink every time AJ says, you know, because if you do, you're going to be pretty hammered, I would say. Um, here is AJ Preller talking to Marty Caswell. Again, This I believe this was on the field before Tuesday's game, one-on-one, -on -one, and here we go. Still have games to play, but it feels that the autopsy on the 2023 Padres has already begun. A couple different articles out on the clubhouse, on the culture. Is there anything that you can address about how you feel about the culture of the Padres as it stands? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, honestly, like, like you mentioned, we still have baseball to be played, and, you know, uh, like our focus is honestly winning tonight, and we know... And at the end of the day, like five and a half back, and it's going to be a, you know, it's 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 going to be a, you know, a situation where we know it's a long shot to get in the playoffs. But honestly, that's it's been the biggest focus is doing everything we can to give us a chance here down the stretch and to make it interesting. Um, and when we get to the end of the year, we'll we'll you know we'll we'll assess and go from there. A lot of, you have you have a lot of big dogs in that clubhouse: the Manny Machados, Juan Soto, Xander Bogers, Tatiste. Did any of that any of the reports about the, the clubhouse chemistry or the, or the culture surprise you at all? I mean, again, I think, you know, like, like you know, I think we've said it here. You, you need a lot of talented players if you're going to win. Uh, the teams that win championships have, you know, star players. And, you know, again, like I, I know those guys. Like we have a lot, of, a lot of good guys down there, a lot of guys that have won, a lot of leaders. I don't feel it's a situation where those guys are, you know, haven't gotten along this season. And that's why, you know, we're not in the, you know, in the top part of the standings. I really honestly don't feel that, that that's the way. You know, just at the end of the day, we'll, we'll get to the end of the year. We'll talk about you know, all different things, you know, performance, how the pieces fit, how the roster was put together. Um, you know, definitely like, you know, there's, there's always like some kind of, you know, chemistry component of any team that you put together. But the guys like each other. You know, I think some of that's been overblown, honestly. Um, you know, a lot of that's been overblown. I think like all the attention on just Manny, you know, like there, there's, there's a lot of leaders in that clubhouse. Like we never put the team together, you know, looking at just one person and saying all the responsibilities on that one person to perform or to lead. Um, you know, and again, like we're just looking to win games here down the stretch and to make this thing interesting. All right, pause. We'll get back to that. But Preller's like, yeah, we're just looking to make this thing interesting. We still have our focus on getting into the postseason here. Can we stop fooling around? Can can we get some truth and honesty? Maybe we're, he's just waiting till the end of the season, after the season, to have a press conference with the media and really be honest about the season or something. But I'm kind of getting the the vibe here that like he doesn't think that there's problems here yeah guys get along fine it's overblown by the media way overblown yeah we're just trying to make things interesting here that's that's our that's really our only focus right now feels like he doesn't view like this stuff as being an issue and he's going to get into his relationship with bob melvin here with marty all season long every baseball executive um, all the analysts, the Jim Bowdens of the world, kept waiting for the Padres to turn it around because there's too much talent on this roster. As you look back, any rhyme or reason as to why this team really never put it together until perhaps maybe once too late in in September? Is there a, a roster construction problem when, when you look at it? Again, like when we when we you know when we get to the end of the year, whenever that is, we'll have more more of those conversations. We've obviously you know like I think I've heard a lot of the same things all year, like you know from from other executives and other baseball people. You know, hey, this is this team is too good a team, um, you know, and I think those those people usually have a pretty good idea. And I think some of the underlying numbers will tell you, like the team, you know, uh, that you know we expected to be playing in a better spot. But you no, know, again, like I, I think one of the biggest things here in San Diego, the expectations, 
have been raised. I think, you know, from day one, we've talked about, you know, getting a team to where, you know, getting to the World Series and, and playing into October is, is the goal of the organization. I think that's a good thing that's healthy. We embrace that. Um, when we get to the end of the season, we'll have, we'll have more conversation about, you know, like exactly the good and the bad, what went on this year. And, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully well, that's an extended conversation. We pull something off here that's pretty special down the stretch and we go from there. Like, again, he's like acting like the season's not over. I mean, come on, dude. I, is that, does he have to do that? I guess he like has to do that to try to sell tickets or try to keep hope on the fan base or something. He's like the, he has to be the only one that thinks like, no, 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 we got a chance still. It's, it's still happening. I mean, come on. You got Manny not having the surgery and thinking that this team can actually win every game the rest of the way. I'd like to have, you know, some, some honesty here. Now, Manny at the same time, he did, you know, say that he feels like the Padres, he, has let down a lot of people in the city and all that. Like, I like that accountability. But just take full accountability. Not trying to trick yourself or trick fans or whatever into believing that you're actually still in it. Like, the, the season is over. Probably are talking about, yeah, we'll have those conversations when the season's over. It's like, shouldn't you already be thinking about this to get a head start on your plans for the offseason? Because the season, it's not going to go anywhere. Let's describe your relationship with with Bob Melvin. Do you is it a close relationship? Is it just is it a cordial relationship? Is it a, is it a good relationship? Yeah, I think a lot. You know, I, I've heard all different things. You guys don't talk. You don't speak. We talk. You know, five times a day. You know, I think uh, we're we're constantly talking. You know, sharing ideas, sharing thoughts. Um, you know, asking. I'm asking his him his opinion all the time, and you know, and getting his feedback, and and you know, letting him run his club. So. You know, I, I think from, you know, from that point in time, we, we're always talking, we're always having conversation. Um, you know, we have a tight relationship and, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, expect him to, you know, continue to, you know, like lead this team here down the stretch and hopefully, you know, get us in a playoff spot here in the last couple of weeks. The bigger, the bigger questions to the end of the season, so I'm, I'm not going to ask you, but are you... Uh... Before we get back to that, just real quick, notice AJ didn't talk about next year with Bob Melvin. All he did was talk about like looking forward to, you know, possibly I'll replay it, possibly like getting into the postseason this year with Bob. He didn't mention anything about him being here for 2024. I'll play that again. He's talking. We're always having conversation. Um, you know, we have a tight relationship. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, he's he's, uh, you know, expect him to, you know, continue to. You know, like lead this team here down the stretch, and hopefully, you know, get us in a playoff spot here in the last couple of weeks. The bigger, the bigger questions to the end of the season, so I'm, I'm not going to ask you. But are you a, how, how are you a micromanager? Do you, do you find that to be a, a somewhat accurate description? Yeah, I, I think from my standpoint, like leadership style, I think you know uh, we hire good people. I think you try to rely on those people. Yeah, I ask a lot of questions. I know that. Like, I think that's. Uh, that's definitely a big part of like what 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 we do is define a lot of questions. When you say you answer, you hire people, you ask a lot of questions. Like you ask about. I think like any, I mean, it range, to me at the end of the day, you always want to ask questions. Honestly, because you want to learn and you want to grow, and you know, just kind of making sure, hey, like you know, ultimately, you know, throwing different topics on the table, um, you know, and let, letting a group of talented people, you know, talk about that, and you try to like, from my position, you try to hey, get into. You know, this is this is you know this this is you know some not consensus, but this is you know ultimately what we're you know from a from a goal standpoint, this is what we're trying to accomplish, and then you know setting some short term goals and seeing if we can accomplish them. All right, so there's AJ Preller admitting that 
you know, he yeah, he asked a lot of questions. He didn't obviously directly say, yeah, I'm a micromanager. But yeah, ask a lot of questions. And that's kind of the sense that I got from the Dennis Lynn, Ken Rosenthal piece, right? About, you know, the doctor, or not doctor, what's his name? Mr. Tricker, Don, what's the guy's name? Don Tricker, I think. I think that's his name don i think it's don tricker right yeah don tricker and his job is essentially to ask why do you know that commercial i forget what commercial it is i, th I think it's for like a internet company or something and they're in the store and they've got the little girl there and they're saying things about like the price, the prices, and I think the Wi-Fi might be Cox. I don't know. And the girl is sitting there, and after every little thing, she's like, "Why? Why? Why? Why?" It was something about like printers, something like that. Why? That's like what this dude's job is—just asking a bunch of questions. Why? Thought-provoking questions in that piece, right? Why? 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 Not giving solutions, but just asking why, essentially, is what I got there. So AJ, and I think a lot of people in the organization view that as, okay, why are you asking me about this? Let me do my job. I don't think I need your input on this. You're the GM. You're the president of baseball operations. Let us go do the, the job that you hired us to do. Don't give your input on this stuff. Let us do it. I was listening to Talking Baseball earlier today with Trevor Plouffe, and he kind of had that same thing, like, shut up, make moves at the deadline if we need them, make moves in the offseason, shut up, and let the coaches do their job. Like, you hired them. That's a coach's thing. The, the batting practice, right, the high velo machines and all that, that should be coaches. Let them do their job. And it feels like AJ, when things aren't going well, right, he kicks that thing into gear, and he goes and tries to work harder than anyone else. In fact, does work harder than anyone else is what I'm getting here from people. You know, they're admitting in these articles, in these pieces, that, yeah, he works harder than anybody else. And if there is a guiding philosophy or, you know, principle for this, this Padres team, right, it was in the article, essentially – do more than everyone else at all times. And when you're the president of baseball operations and the GM, when it comes down to stuff on field level, the coaching staff, all that, I don't think that's the best thing to do, especially when you don't have a rookie manager. You put someone in charge and then allowed him to bring in people that also have been in charge in the past. And now you're still putting input into like coaching things not roster moves like hey can i have your input on this or i think you should do this with the lineup and or i think this guy should get playing time what do you think about this guy as a defensive replacement or this matchup what do you think about this guy playing for this matchup later this week not stuff like that but like things that coaches should be doing it seems like aj people or maybe people that he tells to do this get involved with that and that seems like a problem. Like, trust, you know, Peter Seidler, you know how he trusts A.J. Preller a lot? A.J. Preller needs to have the same trust that Peter Seidler has. 
I don't know if I've heard anyone else say that, but that's a connection. Like that should be a clear connection for AJ. You know how much trust Peter Seidler puts in you, lets you do your thing, lets you pretty much make any move that you want to make, it seems like. Put that same trust that he has in you in your coaching staff. You know, Bob Melvin, one of the best managers, most respected managers in baseball. You know, Matt Williams, who's on the coaching staff, who has managed before. Mike Schilt, who you hired to bring into this organization, who has managed before, and you have him in the dugout all the time. Ryan Christensen, who is successful as the bench coach with Bob Melvin in Oakland with much less resources. You know, let them do their jobs. That's what it feels like the problem is. And so they're not connecting. It's pretty clear they're not connecting. Bob Melvin's being professional about it. You know, we get along fine, admitting that they don't agree on everything. And I'm not saying you have to agree on everything. It just feels like they've crossed that line. You know, there's a line there for a reason. And it feels like they've crossed that. That's my takeaway from Preller and from Melvin. My main takeaway from those two responding to that athletic Dennis Lynn, Ken Rosenthal report. I don't know if it's, I, I feel like it can be fixable, but it's not Bomo that has to change. It's going to be AJ that has to change. Bottom line. All right. I'm going to get to a break here and then I'm going to get to the chat. Check out Gaglione Bros famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, a lot of you knows in that that interview. That was like four or five minutes that Marty Caswell talked with A.J. Preller. I don't know if anyone counted how many you knows uh, A.J. said there. I wasn't counting. Maybe I'll go back and count if I, you know, just want to waste a few minutes um, at some point. But, like, yeah, that's a lot. And when he, I, I know some people, right, I just said it right there, right? I like I, I usually go to that a lot, right? When I have a point and I say right, I know I go to that. Um, I probably say um too much. Maybe I say you know too much. Like some people, they just have that little phrase there that they say too much. That's just how they talk. But when AJ like doesn't know how to respond to something, kind of trying to bounce around a, a question, not actually answer it. He says a lot of, you know, you know, you know, and uh, tries to tries to find an answer, tries to not give you anything. Eh, that's OK. You know, it's GM, president of baseball operations, like they don't want to give the media stuff. Because if they do, then those pro- there's probably just going to be more questions, more analysis. Maybe they're going to give stuff to other clubs that they can use on them and they don't want to do that. So I understand it. I just. You know, going back to that that interview at the beginning there with that Marty had with AJ, it's like you don't truly believe that you're still in this, right? Because if you do, I mean, that's probably part of the problem here. I don't think someone can tell Manny in this organization with the power that he has to shut it down. But if AJ's not going to say shut it down, if there was anyone in power, maybe AJ could do it. But AJ, at least by his words publicly here. He's saying that, no, just hoping to make it interesting down the stretch. So he's not, that doesn't lead me to believe that he is trying to shut down Manny Machado. No, he's probably just accepted it now. Like, 
Manny will get shut down when he wants to get shut down. When the Padres are out of it, that's when he'll probably shut it down and go get the offseason surgery. All right. Let's get to the chat here. If you want to make sure I get your comment or your question again, you can use that super chat button. It supports the channel. Thank you in advance to anyone that takes the time to do that. Um, Devin says, don't get your hopes up. This is just another one of their prank cards from the joke book. Yeah, about the winning streak. Yeah, I'm not getting my hopes up either. Definitely not. El Gat plays, says they need Musgrove back. Update on Musgrove, you know, during the broadcast, late in the game. He, we know he's a big Padres fan, right? So he just had the headset on. He wasn't supposed to join Don and Mud. He just had the headset on listening to Don and Mud. Loves, lo- loves listening to Don and Mud just like we all do, right? And he popped on because the camera showed him, and Don and Mud was like, oh, look, it's Joe. Look who's listening. And he updated us a little bit. He's going to start throwing on Friday. Which, okay, so he's been shut down for how long? How long? couple weeks, maybe? How long has he not been throwing? couple weeks, I think. I thought that they would shut him down for a little bit more than that, but he's someone even the, in the offseason, he doesn't take a long break from throwing. It's not like he sits for like a month without throwing. I remember him saying that, I think, on a radio interview. I forget where or else I would say. It might have been before this season started, maybe one of the spring training interviews. And he, he, I remember him saying like how he, he doesn't like taking a long time off in the offseason. So this is probably him just starting his offseason progression, really. Because he's not returning to the mound this year, that's for sure. Um, Devin says, Musgrove and Darvish are shut down. I don't see how they have a legitimate chance. So many things have to fall perfectly for us, and it's just so unrealistic. I agree. And they've already been shut down. Like, they've already... I don't think Bob Melvin has said publicly that Musgrove is being shut down. I don't think. I know Darvish, he did say publicly. And Darvish talked with the media and all that. Um... But yeah, there's so many things that have to go their way. And it's still not even the best. It's it's still not the best choice, even if things do go their way, for Musgrove and Darvish to push it. I just don't see how that's the right choice. Um, JD's third says, when does it become negligence and incompetence on Seidler's part? Peter can't allow AJ to destroy his organization. That's madness. Yeah. But, you know, part of this is probably Peter. You know, he's dealing with, obviously, the medical stuff. So um, I'm not going to say what he's dealing with. But I do have a better sense of what he's dealing with, with with what I've heard. Um, that's all I'm going to say about it. And so his, his, he's probably, his mind probably was on something else here. But like I said, I think the other day, he knows he knew he, he had to have read reports before this medical procedure happened. He had to read stuff before already about AJ Preller and stuff that has happened and micromanaging and all that. He's in it every day. So he probably knows way more than we do. And he's still allowing it to happen. So 
I don't think this Dennis Lynn, Ken Rosenthal article is what's going to make Peter Seidler be like, nope, all right, AJ, I'm done. You're out of here. I don't think so. I think he already has known stuff. And so I don't see a change happening. He believes in stability, even though I guess he doesn't believe in stability of the coaching staff because he allows that to change all the time. But he believes in, I don't know if it's him believing in stability with A.J. Preller there as the president of baseball ops and the GM, but he believes in the relation, he believes in A.J., he believes in the relationship he has with A.J. He loves the relationship that he has with A.J. Preller, obviously. And he's been able to stay this long. And there's no one, because Peter loves A.J. so much, there's no one that is in the organization, it feels like, that will sit A.J. down and be like, dude, do you realize what you're doing? Do you realize that you need to pull back with some stuff here in this organization? These reports aren't false. Do you realize what you're doing here? There's no one in the organization that do that because Preller's the head guy. He's the president of baseball operations. He's the GM. And there's no one ahead of him, right? His boss, Peter Scyther, well, his boss allows him to do anything, it seems like. So there's no one stopping AJ from continuing what he does. If nothing changes, nothing changes. So nothing's going to change is because it's he's enabled to do it. JD's third asked, Ben, what is Snell's FIP compared to others in the Cy Young race? That's a good question. Is FIP a fan graph stat or is that? I think it's a, it might be, right? Snell. Oh, of course. Fangraphs isn't going to work. I think I saw it on Fox Sports MLB's Twitter account. So I'm going to try to look this up here. His his FIP, I think, is... Now, FIP, you, do you want the FIP to still be low? I think, right, that's the stat, right? You want FIP to be as low as possible, right? But that's like fielding independent pitching... So it takes out like the defense and stuff, or it tries to. Here it is. So this is in comparison to Justin Steele and to Spencer Strider. Snell's FIP is 348, his ERA is 233. So you could say maybe he's getting lucky. I think that's what that means. Spe uh, no, Justin Steele, we'll get to him first. 273 ERA, his FIP is 306. So his FIP is a little bit better than Snell's. And Strider's FIP is even better than those guys, 281. But his ERA is 3.73. So is he getting unlucky? Snell's getting lucky. But again, I would point to all of the walks. If people want to ding him for that, I would say, well, that actually improves his case because he's stranding a bunch of runners and getting out of that. So that just shows how composed he's been and how clutch he's been, you know, pitching wise in those situations, being able to find a way to get out of those situations. So there's the answer to your question, J.D.'s third. That's between Justin Steele and Spencer Strider compared to Snow. I don't have everyone else, but that's just the graphic I saw earlier today. Yeah, Chris, yeah, A.J. did say that as I played. He says he has a tight relationship with him, talks with him five times a day, up to five times a day. Okay, maybe. Don't you kind of have to have a tight relationship with your, with your manager if you're the president of baseball ops? I think Dennis and Ken, their point, in that report is they don't see eye to eye and it's like over the line. It's it's not like the 
the regular not seeing eye to eye. Like there's a major disconnect. One of the worst kept secrets in baseball. They might talk because they have to, but it might not be like long conversations. It might just be because they have to, because of like roster stuff. And I don't know everything that goes on, obviously, with being a president of baseball ops and a, a GM and the communication with the manager. But I'm just saying like, that's probably why it's not, it's not because they love each other. I mean, Bob Melvin there, he didn't say that it's a great relationship. We get along fine. That's what he's saying. Devin says, we need more than just Snell for 2024. The pitching staff desperately needs depth. It's going to be a mess. Who's there besides Musgrove and Darvish? Well, they can guarantee Walk is going to be there with the club options, but there's the injury question. Seth Lugo, they can't guarantee that he's going to be there. They can guarantee Nick Martinez is going to be there. He has similar options with Michael Walker, but do the Padres want to pay Nick Martinez that much money coming off a season this year where I think he's been a little bit less effective than he was last year? And if you're paying him that much money, he better be in the rotation, right? I don't want to be paying Nick Martinez $16 million a year. I think that's what it was, his club options, to be a reliever there, right? So you can guarantee Darvish, Musgrove, Waka, Martinez, but Darvish, Musgrove, injuries right now, questions, Waka, injury, history, Martinez as a starter all year, what's going to happen? You know, are you super confident in him? Or do you think it's even smart to give him 16 mil a year? Let me double check that here because I don't want to just say like, yeah, 16 mil a year. I want to make sure that's accurate. But do the Padres think that's the best thing to do? Or do they think that they can bring, do they think it's best for Nick to go out in free agency and bring him back for less than that? Club option, $16 million, 2024. And then a club option, 2025, $16 million. They have to decline or accept the club options at the same time. So just like Waka, they have to accept the club options at the same time. I don't know who negotiates this. Is this AJ that's negotiating this? Like, yeah, we'll put the club options there, and we want to decide 24 and 25 at the same time, simultaneously. Or is that the player, and AJ's allowing that to be in the contract? Because there's some weird stuff, like the Manny opt-out, did they have to put the opt-out in there for Manny to come to the San Diego Padres in 2019? This stuff with Waka, did they have to do the club option simultaneously thing for Waka to agree to a deal with the Padres? Same thing with Nick Martinez. It's, it's weird. Some of this contract stuff. If the Padres decline the club options, 16 mil and 24 and 25, those options convert to $8 million player options. So Nick can take that. But he might think that he could get more money out in free agency, which he probably would be able to. It might not be like three years, but it could be one year, maybe one year with an option. And he could get $12 million. Didn't like Shamanaya get that with the Giants? Maybe he could get that somewhere from some team. And the Padres end up losing him. Because they don't want to take the six million, the sixteen million dollar club options, but Nick thinks he can get more than eight million, and he goes somewhere else. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But they could guarantee Darvish, Musgrove, Walker, Martinez. But then there's question marks. So we'll see what happens there. 
Devin says, can't believe AJ needs a spy to survey the clubhouse. This is not what teams do, especially the Dodgers and other good teams. Well, I, I think that the Dodgers, they have people there in the front office that go down and report back proudly to Andrew Friedman. But I would imagine Andrew Friedman has a better relationship with Dave Roberts than AJ Preller has with Bob Melvin. So maybe he doesn't need to have like that, that spy there. And this, is, this probably isn't everyone in the organization that thinks that Don Tricker, or whatever the dude's name is, is a, is a spy. Maybe it's just the people that talk to Ken Rosenthal and Den, Dennis Lynn about you know, They think that this guy's essentially a spy because he doesn't give feedback. He only asks questions, maybe thought-provoking questions, but it's just questions. It's not feedback. And he's sitting there in these meetings, and some people don't even know what he does. There was the quote in the article, I don't even know what Don does. To be honest, I think that's what one of the people said. I think a former coach said that. So, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. If I was running that, I don't want the players to feel uncomfortable and feel like there's a, essentially a spy in there during these meetings. I would be like, okay, players, this is this guy. He's here to do this. And you're all on the same page. But it doesn't seem like there's that great communication there with the front office. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Um, Frank asks, does the public really know if the Padres are in the red or black as a business? No, I don't think so. Uh, it's been reported, kind of. I think Kevin may have reported it. And then Dennis and Ken wrote in their article yesterday in, like, italics. It was italicized. So, like, the rumor, it's been rumored that the Padres are losing money. But I, I feel like they... It seems like, yeah, they, they are losing money here. I don't know if they're going to lose money in the long term if they lower the payroll. Um, maybe this is a one-year thing where they're losing money. Wasn't it reported last year that they lost some money as well, even with the playoffs? And then this year, they lose the Bally money. They're only being paid 80% of that, what they were expected to get this season. 
80% is being paid by Major League Baseball. So yeah, they're losing money, I would assume, this season. But I don't think we officially know it. And the Padres aren't going to, you know, say, they're not going to release a statement and be like, yeah, we lost $20 million this year. They're not going to say that. And that's just a number I'm throwing out. I'm just saying that. But they're, they're, they probably are losing money this season. I would assume they are, yes. Even with the great attendance. Because the TV money is a lot of money. All right, so the Padres up next. They've got an off day and then a three-game series against the St. Louis Cardinals. The St. Louis Cardinals, let's check in on how they're doing. Last place, 67-84. and 84. Negative 81 run differential for anyone that loves run differential. Padres run differential is plus 82, yet they are not in a playoff spot. They're three games under 500, even with the seven-game winning streak, even with being 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. Still five games back at the moment of a wild-card spot. A lot of things have to go right for them to be a postseason team. It's just not going to happen. I, I, I definitely don't see it happening. All right. That's it, Talking Friars episode 473. Thank you all for the time. I appreciate you all tuning in here. My next show, maybe Friday, might be Friday, Friday night after that Padres game. We'll see when the next show is, but probably Friday at some point. Thank you all for the time. Talking Friars, use that code, $20 off your SeatGeek order. It'll help you out there. Click the link in the description, Underdog Fantasy. Uh, you will get a 100% deposit match up to $100. Some people have used that. Some people have really loved that. Um, and so I definitely recommend that there. And then you can check out Gaglione Bros. Main location on Friars Road. They're at Petco Park last weekend of the season. Go check them out at Petco Park. They're also at Snapdragon Stadium. Uh, and then check out Foco and Breaking Tea as well. That'll do it. Have a great rest of your night, everybody. See ya.